Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jason. We don't let friends feed kibble. Good no. morning from Tennessee. Good morning from Tennessee. Me and the chickens. You and the chickens. And uh, I suspect they're growing fast. Oh, my God. Like every day. It's just amazing. I swear, like you go out every couple hours and they're like, I think they got new feathers. So what is the adult, when are chickens adults? Do we know? Well, I think, I know the hens start laying around four to five months. So that's like kind of a juvenile. So probably like, I guess I don't know technically, but I think probably like eight or nine months where they'd be like fully mature. So yeah, they grow up really fast. Do you have a rooster? No. No. That is fascinating to me that these hens lay eggs without a rooster. Now, I think that's what the powers that be are trying to create in our world that certain species don't have to have other species to lay eggs. Anyway. um, But there's no, but there's no, but there's no chicks because they're not, they're not fertilized. So if you have a rooster, like you could raise your own baby chicks, but then you have to like keep, those eggs separate because they're going to grow baby chicks and you know it, it you know it's a little or you have to if you have a rooster hanging around i think you have to get the eggs really if you get the eggs like right away and stick them in the fridge then like the fetus the baby chick won't develop in them gotcha Otherwise, so but but you can you you have to how do you fertilize these these chicks. Yeah, I'm, I'm chick ignorant. I'm yeah, chick I, ignorant. I don't get it. I'm, I don't understand. I was, I was too. I had to, I had to look up chicken reproduction to understand <laughs> this because it's been a long time since that school. I was like, I'm sure I learned this, you know, 40 years ago, but it's, I, you know, never worked on chickens. No, they actually, they like, they do mate. So I guess the, the, um, the rooster and the hen, like they, like I think they kind of go like butt to butt and he shoots like some sperm up into her little cloaca and fertilizes the eggs. So the eggs are fertilized when they come out, but they make eggs regardless. I think because, so what I read in one of my chicken books, um, cause that's what I do. I read chicken books. I watch <laughs> chicken videos. <laughs> it's a total obsession. Um, is that because chickens are so vulnerable to predators that they have to be able to like reproduce a lot and reproduce really, really fast. And so that's why they just can pop up those eggs like crazy. And then if they're fertilized and they get new chickens and the chickens, like our chicks are only a month old and they're out there, they just acting like miniature chickens, you know? I know you and I were talking before the podcast that they're getting to be what their species actually is. And as you were watching the chickens, you know, you made the comment, dogs don't really get to be dogs in the world today. They are treated very much like children. Uh, they are kept way too clean. They are kept in the house. We can't eat poop. We can't eat grass. We can't eat dead things. We can't run around in the dirt. I mean... Right. I can't smell, can't smell like a dog. That's it. That, yeah, right. Can't smell like a dog. You know, I bet we haven't bathed our dogs in well over a year. Yeah. Well, they usually don't need it, you know? I mean, the dirt, it'll dry and flake off. And yeah, you, you might you might have, you know, um, some muddy footprints in your house or some mud on your furniture. But, you know, it just goes to the territory, right? Mom, mom called me the other day and she said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, we're not going to continue to um, have the groomer come in for Gia, who is this little, little bitty, you know, snorky. Yeah. 
Yorkie schnauzer little thing. Well, the thing about it is, is the dog's been itching a lot. So I'm like, mom, how how much are you bathing this dog? Well, they come every month. Why? Yeah. Why? You're like the cleanest person I know, mom. We could eat off your toilet. I'm sure the dog is not dirty. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's itching. So, um, you know, I would say let's stop bathing those dogs so daggum much. And the thing about it is, is that unless you have a groomer come out to your house, like a mobile groomer, most of these groomers are going to require a bunch of different shots Shots. and stuff like that. Right. So uh, we definitely want to um, look at that. And again, you know, we talk about this probably every podcast, Dr. Jasek, and and, uh, somebody asked um, our customer service the other day, they said, well, are you against vaccines? And, And the response was this, here's what we would suggest. We would suggest that you understand and really research what is in the vaccines, right? What the side effects are, and then make your decision, right? If you agree to all that and you're fine with all that, then by all means, you should have the right. We don't seem to have the right to say no, you know, as as much as as uh, I would like. But anyway, yeah, like, no, we're not not against anything that's helpful. I'm against un, I'm against practices that harm pets, and unfortunately, vaccines do see that all the time. Well, I got this text from Neely this morning, who um, you know does a lot of consults as well, and she said this particular uh, pet parent was told by her vet that her dog's seizures were most likely from one of the four leaf rover supplements. Oh, geez. Uh, and not the Pro Heart 6 uh, or the Fleantic meds that she had just given him, and not to mention all the Vax. So this is so common. Uh, yeah. No, these seizures are not from the toxins. And that's the thing. If you don't know what's in, if you don't know what's in the vaccines, Dr. Jasek, if you don't know what's in Fleantic and they can put a pretty little picture and do a commercial and not say, look, these are poisons going into your dog. Well, of course you're going to think that. And of course you're just going to listen to that. Yeah. I mean, I think of every pet parent at the very least, ask to read the label on anything they want to give, sit down with the vet. That'd be even better, but go through that, the, the label or the package insert and read it. I can guarantee you every time I've read a package insert on anything, whether it's a drug or a vaccine, it'll scare the bejesus out of you. I really, even on rabies. I mean, I, I read the, on the, the rabies package insert that I have used, you know, it's a, it's a mercury free rabies. So it's a little safer. Um, but it actually says in there that it's been shown to cause sarcomas in cats. So they're saying it's a known carcinogen, but it's just, okay. And if it causes that in cats, do you think it's not going to have adverse effects in your dog? I mean, I, I think if we looked at the actual what's in the stuff and, you know, confronted more veterinarians with that, maybe they'd wake up. I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of losing that wishful thinking though. I, I don't, I don't know. I think the vets that are so indoctrinated into the system, I, I just don't know if, if it's gonna, if, if it'll ever change. I was actually talking to um, Todd Cooney. I, I wanted to. I, I love Todd. To, yeah, I wanted to see how he, um, like how he helps people navigate this. Cause I know he doesn't, you know, he does lots of no sods and he actually, he actually sent me some data, you know, where he, he tracked, you know, the puppies in his practice and, and um, found that they were actually were healthier. There was fewer incidences of disease and of course, complications from the vaccine in the, in the puppies that just got the no-sodes rather than um, conventional vaccines. Well, he has a, um, he, he does surgery. So at his practice, so he doesn't have to, you know, continually refer out or help people find, he says, yeah, he's in Indiana. He's had people come from Texas and Minnesota and all over the place uh, because they don't want to, don't want to vaccinate and they can't get, you know, certain procedures done, you know, more, more holistically, but, um, yeah, he's just kind of shaking his head too. He's like, I don't know. I I said, like, are there any hope, like (laughs) we're ever going to shift the, the profession and, um, 
he was the same. Like, you know, I don't know. He said, I don't get it. I, you know, like that was kind of our conversation. Like how can vets just not see what's going on? How can they keep the blinders on? How can they keep doing things that are harmful to pets? And um, he's very, you know, like-minded to, you know, how we think. And, um, you know, you just shake your head, just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Even if it is about losing your license, like I still couldn't do anything that I knew was harming my patients. So maybe that's why they keep the blinders on. Like, well, I don't want to put my license in jeopardy. And if I just, you know, don't think about it, don't look over here. Let's just look here to what everybody else is doing. And I follow along and play nice. Then I, I don't, I don't have to acknowledge that maybe I'm doing something that's harming. I think that's what they do. They just, they just don't want to, they just don't want to admit it. I don't know. I really, really don't get it. It's because so many pets are being harmed, being killed, being murdered, I guess would be the word by the veterinary profession. I mean, there's just no other, there's just no way to candy coat that. that no, there's sugar, not. Sugar, sugar coat that at this point. And how many of them graduate every single year? So they've got many more soldiers, right? Yeah. Any more soldiers every single year coming out with, as uh, Connor Brady would say, that four-step process, right? You own the information. You distribute the information, you incentivize the information, and when that information has problems, you deny, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That's what Connor Brady said is the four-step process that we see in any industry, whether that is going to be the medical industry or the veterinary industry, right? Which is all the same, right? Right. It's, it's the all same, the same. same, same corporations. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, I mean, how brilliant of a business model is that? Right. Yeah. They've got, they've got thousands. I don't know how many graduate every single year, but you think about all the veterinary schools and they're thousands. graduating. Yeah. And that um, same mantra, that same thinking, like this stinking sphincter thinking of this vet that said, oh no, it's one of the cleanest supplements out there, the four-leaf rover stuff. And I think um, if I'm thinking of the the correct pet parent, this was simply yeast guard. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was the yeast guard. And I remember this pet parent saying, you know, I read the warning on the yeast guard and I immediately threw it away. And I thought, and I looked for I looked on the yeast garden. I thought, seriously, you know what the warning says, Dr. Jasek? It says, if your dog gets worse, contact your vet. Yeah, right. And yet, why don't we look at the warnings on the flea and tick? Do they actually show the warnings on the flea and tick or the ProHeart 6 or yeah. the rabies uh, vaccine? They, every product like that has an MSDS sheet. Now it's, but they're sometimes different. Like you could actually open the package and look and there might be some vague or kind of superficial warnings, but if you go online and you look for the MSDS, which is the material safety data sheet, they have to publish those. Those get into the nitty gritty details. So that's really what you what you want to be looking at. And they do have to publish, or they're supposed to anyway, any potential side effect. I mean, I've read it on like like Rimadil, for example, which, you know, sometimes dogs need, you know, like your Asta, sometimes they need a little, you know, anti-inflammatory, little pain relief. But you read the package insert on that stuff and scare the bejesus out of you because they have to list every like potential thing that's ever been reported that may not happen widely, but they have to report it. So know what you're giving, be, be informed. Like, I don't, I don't tell people what to do. I mean, people should make choices, but they should be making informed choices. And you should know what you're, what you're giving your pet and, and not just go in blindly and not just do it because, because the vet said so, because they are, they are make, not making recommendations on the best health for your pet. They're making recommendations on what is considered standard of care, what's going to allow them to keep their license and what's going to make them money. And it's sad to say, but that's where the profession's at and done sugarcoating it. Yeah, that's right. I'm done sugarcoating it too. Some people don't like that, Dr. Jasek, but I mean, um, it's just the way it is, guys. It's it's the way it is. And the I have to thing, yeah, okay, but there's not much I can do uh, to help you with that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. yes, you, you can get on a species-appropriate diet. You can get on some herbs. You can do some things, but there's good. We don't know at what, 
stage your dog's body is in, right? When you decide to make that change. And I will say that a lot of people, a lot of pet parents come over to raw only when it is critical, only when the dog is very sick. And at that point, the dog may not be able to uh, bounce back. We, we've seen a lot of great things, but you guys, come on, don't put your dog in that position. That means don't poison them every day. <laughs> right. 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 The longer and the longer you've been doing it, the longer it, it takes them to heal. So they have this itchy skin stuff, which we see so much of it. I mean, that could take months, even, even if it's a young dog. And I think in, you know, young puppies, when I see dogs under a year start itching like crazy, you know, it's due to the vaccines and all that disruption and normal immune system development. And I do think there's sometimes permanent damage from that. So, so think, think carefully about what you're doing and what the necessity is. And there are no have to's. I don't care what it is. Every time somebody says, well, I had to, I really kind of want to reach to the computer and smack them. Say, wake up. There are no have to's. <laughs> there's always, <laughs> there's right. always a choice. It's right. always a choice. You know, so, yeah, you might, if you don't give your dog a rabies shot and it bites somebody, there might be some repercussions, but it's still a choice. Still a you choice. know, we were at the warehouse yesterday and, um, uh, Lazie was there outside, you know, in the, in the kind of the area and, and a strange guy came in, you know, she's a protection dog. And I mean, she went, she, now she didn't bite at all, but she went yeah. right, you know, scared the bejesus out of him for sure. But still, I mean, even on protection dogs, if they are well-trained, right. I'm not going to take, I mean, what the risk is my dog gets cancer. The risk is my dog's legs got to come off. The risk is my dog's going to be itchy. The risk is the dog is going to have mental issues. Do I want that? Is that the mm-hmm. kind of pet that I want? And just looking at this gorgeous creature that she is, right? Yeah. Do I subject her to that? Do I say, mommy says we got to go get our dose of poison today. Yeah. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. No right. sense. No sense at all. And if your dog is well-trained, well-behaved, like your dogs are, it's very like, um, very, very unlikely, like almost unheard of that you're going to be questioned on that because they're not going to bite inappropriately. And, you know, if they bite and somebody's breaking into your house, well, that's their job. You yeah. Know, that's bite them harder. That's what they're, that's what they're supposed to do. Um, and, and, you know, you have a protection dog. Do you want to like literally ruin their ability to make those judgment calls because the rabies vaccine, it affects the brain. I mean, I've had so many people tell me, man, I wish I never gave that shot because my dog was never the same afterwards. And it's not like they're still functioning, you know, they don't have cancer, but they're like, they're just not there anymore. Personality's gone. Same thing. I mean, how tragic would that be? Right. You know, but people do it all the time. And I think, and I think because, you know, we're not allowing dogs to be dogs as much, probably don't even notice it probably isn't as, as recognized because their worlds are so restricted. And I get when you're in the city, you know, dog needs to be on a leash and, and, and all that stuff. So you're probably less likely to notice these changes in their behavior. As Joel Soliton says, you know, you got to let chickens express their chickenness and pigs express their pigness. So I got to let dogs express their dogness. You know, they've got a, a, there's a nature, a certain way that they're meant to be. And when we support that, they're just going to be so much healthier in always because mental health is just as important for dogs as as it is for us. How do you like to be in a crate eight, 10 hours a day? And then people wonder why these dogs like destroy the house if they get out or something. They're, they're just driving them nuts. It's like putting them in jail. Right. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit. You listen to Tom Cowan, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. Cowan. You know, this is fascinating to me. I was listening to him the other day, which by the way, you guys can sign up to be, and I get nothing for this, but you can sign up uh, for Tom Cowan's subscribe star uh, for just $5 a month. And you're allowed to go in and listen to him and, and be a part of his community. But he was talking about bacteria and here's what he said. There is no good or bad bacteria. That's what he said. There's no good or bad bacteria. Bacteria is there for a reason, they're the cleanup crew, right? They're the cleanup crew. They come in and they're going to eat certain things. 
And he said, and one of the things that they associate with, um, or there was a, a, a study where antibiotics, right, where they, they looked at the use of antibiotics and the cancer was even higher. So when you look at it from that perspective, that makes a lot of sense. If there's bacteria, right, that is doing its job in the right. body, and then you come in and you bring in the antibiotic that kills off that function, then you have toxins that have never been removed from the body. They don't get removed because you've just killed them off. And so now you've got a whole host of other things that are happening. So it's a very different concept to say there's no good or bad bacteria. Now, I want to ask you this, and I I need to ask Dr. Cowan this because I want to understand it a little bit better. But if there's, when we say that, uh, what about Giardia, Dr. Jasek, or something like um, H. pylori or Campylobacter or whatever that, you know, those words are? Um, what what can we take away from that? If there's no good or bad bacteria, however, there's Giardia and we see Giardia that makes dogs, you know, ill. Mm-hmm. How can I make sense of that? How can we make sense of that? Yeah. Well, Giardia, first of all, is more like a little protozoa. So it's a little different type of organism, but I, I think it all health comes down to homeostasis and there's all these different bacteria. They're meant to live in, in an ecosystem. And I think what happens, especially with antibiotic use, you start to kill off certain populations. You, you kill off certain parts of that eco. So there's checks and balances. So there's some bacteria that might cause more symptoms like we won't call them bad. Let's just say they cause more symptoms if they're in like a bigger population, but if they're balanced with, with other bacteria and they're working together, it's like one of our goals here on our property is we we're going to put in a, a food forest, which basically is a food ecosystem. And we actually had somebody design the plants. We're going to do the planting, but there's certain plants that live synergistically. And if you plant the right plants together in healthy soil, meaning, you know, we're not going to till up the soil. It's the same principle. You go in and you rototill everything and you expose all those soil microorganisms to the weather, you're going to have dead, dead soil, and that's not going to be healthy for your plants. So you don't do that. So you allow that the, um, the natural ecosystem in the soil to exist. And then you grow plants, you know, some, there's some plants that repel insects and some plants that are nitrogen fixtures that put more nitrogen in the soil. And by knowing which plants to grow together and you have like different little groupings, um, that's, it's just much healthier. And then you're not, you don't have to maintain it. You don't have a problem with weeds. So let's say, you know, what's a weed in a garden. Maybe that could be like a, what we call a quote unquote bad bacteria because you got weeds. Well, if you're not taking care of the plants that you want to grow there, you're going to get weeds. You know, nature does not like, you know, things to be barren and nature's always going to put something in that, in that space. And if we're not keeping the balance and we're not feeding the right bacteria appropriately too, I think that's a big part of it. When dogs are not on a species appropriate diet, Again, it's like fertilizing a garden. You're not going to get the bacteria growing that you want to grow. And then these other populations are going to show up more. I think it's more of a sign of imbalance, like Clostridium, for example. Like, see so many people, like their dog has diarrhea, they go into the bed. My dog has Clostridium. So, what that means to me is okay, the dog has diarrhea, just by the fact the dog has diarrhea, microbiome is probably a little off kilter, it's a little out of balance. And we're seeing more clostridium, but that's thought then to be the cause. And so what then what does the conventional that do? They put that dog on antibiotics to kill those clostridium. Well, what do you do into the other bacteria? I say the better approach is we support the gut. Let's get the other bacteria that maybe took a hit because of whatever's going on, why ever the dog is sick and build up those other populations so we can recreate the balance. And then we don't have to do the antibiotics because I'll tell you what I see a lot is I see dogs, bless you, going with um, 
see see dogs, you know, go into the vet, have diarrhea, they put on metronidazole, which is a common, you know, and people, a lot of people don't even know that's an antibiotic because they're, they're put on it. They're like, well, mom, my dog is from this anti-diarrheal. Like, well, it's an antibiotic. And I'd be like, it is? Like, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And it's pretty strong antibiotic too. And so they'll be put on that. And then a few days later, they'll be better. I always question they get better because of it or in spite of it. But, you know, then, okay, of course, antibiotics, we've further disrupted the balance in the gut. And then they get diarrhea again, a month later, metronidazole again, they get better. And then after, you know, three or four times, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Why? Because we've disrupted this balance. I really think it's about just creating this homeostasis instead of just attacking you know, the microorganisms, instead of killing things, let's work on creating uh, this balance in the body. But it's, it's that mindset. It's the medical mindset that we were trained with. Why? Because they train us to sell drugs. They really do. How are, how are the pharmaceutical companies that are giving all this money to the vet schools going to make money if they're not training the students to sell their products? That that's, really what it comes down to. They don't teach veterinarians how to create a balanced, healthy life for, for pets. They, they train them to recognize the things that they can sell drugs for. That's the state of the thing. It's pretty sad. It is sad, but how does one, a human being who is in the pet health industry say something like this vet said? I mean, is it, is it just they really believe that a almost a homeopathic type supplement would cause seizures over all the toxins? Yeah, I I I have no idea. I mean, I am. I, um, I had a client come back. They'd gone into a local vet, supposedly integrative, and um, this it was a cancer patient. So this dog's on mistletoe, and this vet told them that it was illegal for one, dangerous, another, um, and that they should not be doing, that it needed close medical supervision and should should not be done by, you know, a, a veterinarian, long distance. I think they call it a long distance relationship. The guy was laughing about it, like we're having an affair or something. <laughs> he, just, he just joked about it. He said, these people really got it. You know, they were mad. They were mad because it's supposed to be integrative. And it's, but it's the same thing. It's like, something's unfamiliar and instead of being curious about it, instead of, well, what do you, is that helping your pet? Maybe that's something new I can learn. If it's unfamiliar, they just criticize it and make it bad. I don't understand that mindset because like Four Leaf Rover, they're like one of the cleanest supplement companies out there. You know, they have great products, but because it's unfamiliar, it's not standard of care. They're just they're just critical of it. And maybe it's because oh, I don't want to look over here at all this stuff I'm doing because I make my living selling all this stuff. And if I stopped doing that, I, I wouldn't make as much money. So I'm just going to blame the stuff that the, that the client can get on their own, I guess. You know, this client that went into the vet that I was talking about, asked about the mistletoe, they're like, well, what's so, what's so dangerous about it? You know, they actually started to ask questions. He, of course he couldn't answer. He doesn't know anything about it. Not, did, he, not, did the vet get mad? It was, it was awkward, I guess. I don't think he got like really, really angry, but it, it didn't end well. And they're like, well, we're not going back. And, you know, it was a, ended up being a very awkward um, conversation because they did push back and, and start questioning. Yeah. But they know nothing about it yet. They'll just criticize it. And like, what happened to um, medical curiosity? I, I listened to Dr. Larry Pilevsky. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, he's a, a human pediatrician and there's been a couple recent podcasts where he's talked about this. And I think it's so spot on that one of the big problems or one of the things that's, that's created all these issues in our medical system is this lack of curiosity. Nobody wants to ask questions or say, well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that, that therapy. Maybe I can learn how to do it. You know, um, but no, they don't want, and then not only do they not want to learn, which is fine, but then they make that therapy. They don't know anything about the bad guy. 
and so confuses people. I mean, the poor pet parents, you know, like we're trying to educate them. Okay, this stuff's good. And then they go in and they're, and they're told that that's causing the seizures and they just want to help their dog. Right. But, but so I but, get it when the pet parent is confused, but yeah. we also have to get them to ask the very um, direct questions that can yeah. we look at the ingredients of what my dog is taking on the pro heart six or the flea and tick. Yeah. Can you talk to me about those ingredients? How does it actually kill the pest? I've heard that I have to poison my dog. I, you know, it'd be interesting if some, if some pet parents said that. I've heard, and you could say on the Raw Dog Food Truth podcast, uh, <laughs> that I'm poisoning my dog. Is that true? Well, they yeah. would probably say, no, it's not true. Well, how is it not true? How is it not true? How does it actually kill the pest? How's that happen? And, also and ask, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, pet parents, you can be prepared. <clears throat> print out the MSDS sheet. Print out that you can go online and look up the all the packaging, the information that's on the package of these products, you can go online, print them out, read them ahead of time, and then go in and say, so what do you think about this, you know, may cause, you know, neurologic side? Oh, oh, seizures are a side effect. Hmm. Oh, my dog's seizuring. Isn't that interesting? What do you think about that? Just ask the questions. I mean, it's right there. You're going to have the paper, take the paper in. just say, well, my dog started seizuring and you're saying it's this product. But this product actually says right here, adverse effects, possible seizures. Hmm. And how many years, right? That's another thing that I, I think that people don't realize there's an accumulation effect. Yep. Well, I've only done one. It only takes one, right? How about the, the, the parents that have taken their children in and they've done a, a round of vaccines and then they're not the same, right? It just takes one time. Right. And like... Uh, Dr. Uh, or not Dr. But uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, look, I'm not anti-vaccine. I just like to have a vaccine that was that was tested like other drugs are tested. And right. he has said these have never gone through a test. They've never right. gone through a test. Right. right. And, um, you know, many times the that industry will say well the studies show but then if you push back and say can i see the studies you find that there really were no studies and right. this is the this is the problem right there is loose information <clears throat> usually coming from the manufacturer and if there are studies the next question is who is who funded the studies who did the studies because a lot of times they're either done by or funded by the manufacturers you know uh producing these products but yeah you know um I mean, Kennedy challenged Fauci years ago, said, show me one study. This is on childhood vaccines. One safety study on any of the 72 at the time, there were 72 vaccines recommended for children. One safety study and not one, not one could come forward. So this is the same industry. So these are not being tested in our human children. Do you think they're testing them for pets? Of course they're not. Um, you know, one other thing I, I wanted to ask you about that I get this question all the time, Dr. Jason, can you probably too on the nutritional side, do you think it really matters um, what breed, what disease your dog has, whether you're going to put them on a species appropriate diet or not? No, no it, doesn't. it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all the same nutritional concepts. Now, sometimes <laughs> if a dog's really sick. You know, we have to do some modifications. Maybe they need, a, you know, the food to be warmed a little more, maybe lightly cooked, or, you know, we might need to do, you know, some other things or, or more support to get them, to help them with the transition. But no, the recommendations always the same. Always I think that's same. one of the biggest questions we get is my dog is this breed, this size, and has this disease. Right. And you're like, well, why do we continue to give them donuts? I don't care <laughs> if they're big or small or smushed face or a Pyrenees, right? Uh, good nutrition is good nutrition, guys. In kibble, 98% uh, of all recalls, maybe I should say this every podcast, 98% of all the recalls uh, come from the kibble industry. And yet we're so afraid of raw. So I don't know. Those aren't really good uh, numbers. <laughs> not for my no. dog. No, no. And they're not shutting those plants down. 
you know, they, they'll shut oh. down the raw producers, but they're not going to do anything to, uh, to the big, to the big kibble producers. And, you know, I think another thing for people to think what I say to people when they say, well, you know, what diet do you use for such and such diagnosis? I'm like, well, I don't treat diagnoses. I treat pets. And so I look at the pet and look at the pet's body and what is appropriate nutrition for that. Um, I'm not feeding pancreatitis or IBD. I'm taking care of the pet. And if you feed the pet properly, these conditions that you're seeing, the symptoms um, go away because the pet is because the pet is healthy. Yeah, that, I think that's a hard concept for people to uh, get their minds around when they say, well, how do you know what to feed my dog if you don't have a diagnosis? Right. Because right? we're feeding the dog, not the diagnosis. <laughs> it's like, it, but, it, I, but I get it. It's a it's a it's a because people ask me that. Do you treat such and such? And I just, I say that I actually don't treat diagnoses. I treat the pet. We'll talk about what's going on with your pet. Where's your pet? What are the symptoms? Because sometimes I see pets that have, you know, chronic pancreatitis or IBD and some diagnosis because conventional medicine has to name, they can't sell you a drug unless they name it. This whole naming and diagnosing things, they, because they, medicine has become very algorithmic. You know, there's a, there's a condition. And once there's this condition, and, or, and see this, you know, so much in cancer, then they'll stage it certain, then they'll do special staining on the cells. And then they know the exact right chemo, chemotherapy protocol to use based on all that. So conventional medicine has to name things in, in order to, to treat them. But when you're treating holistically and you're looking at the pet and, and I see things like pancreatitis, like so many dogs diagnosed with pancreatitis, this dog doesn't have pancreatitis. They just have to name it so that they could treat it for something. So be really careful about those, those diagnoses, because if you focus on that and not on the pet and how the, the pet is, is doing, I think you're going to get uh, way off track. This reminds me of, I think Royal Canaan still does this. They have the breed kibbles. And they have like, <laughs> they're like in different shapes, you know, so you got the pug kibble and you got the German shepherd kibble and you got the golden rich, like really? I, I always thought that that was like the biggest joke and it's all the same food, just put in different shapes. Right. And people believe that, oh, well, you have to feed different breeds differently. No, it's just marketing, it's just marketing to get you to buy their food because some other food doesn't have the special food for your pug or beagle or whatever you're feeding. Right. It's still crap. It's still sphincter food. Still crap. Still Whatever. Crap. Still I, I want to ask you a cancer question because you deal so much with cancer. Um, so in uh, chemotherapy, when when someone, a, a human or even a dog, uh, does rounds of chemotherapy, it kills off their white blood cells. Is this correct? Typically, yeah, most of the drugs are very immunosuppressive. So yeah, they, and, and, you know, the oncologists know this because that's one of the things they're monitoring. Most dogs on chemo have to have blood work before every treatment to make sure their white blood cells are high enough to handle the, the treatment. All right. So in the, on the human side, there's this practice that happens where you do chemotherapy, we're going to kill your white blood cells which remind us what white blood cells function is, Dr. Jasek. White blood cells basically fight infection. They, they clean up stuff, debris, bacteria. They clean the, clean the junk out of your body, basically. They eat it up and flush it out. All right, so we're killing that. Yeah, it's a good we're thing killing. to do, don't you think? As we're killing that. We're not well. We're going to go ahead and do a round of chemotherapy. We're going to kill those white blood cells that actually take the junk out of your body. That first step doesn't make sense to me. But the second step is is what is really weird. Um, and I want to ask you if you think that it actually happens. So in the human side, they will give you a shot injection of some type to make your white blood cells come back alive. Or I mean, this is this is the 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 verbiage. Well, I, I have to get my injection. For my white blood cell count to go up, uh, but I've killed them. So how do we, how do we resuscitate them with an injection? I, yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea because 
you know, we're killing off the white blood cells. It takes a certain amount of time for the bone marrow to produce those because that's where they're made. All the blood cells are made in the bone marrow. All the stem cells for blood cells, red blood cells and white blood cells is in the bone marrow. And it just takes a certain amount of time. It's like if you're somebody's having a baby, it takes nine months, you know, like, can you move? They probably try, but it's scary to know what kind of experiments they're doing. But in a, in a natural process, you know, it takes just a certain amount of time to, to, for the baby to grow, for the, for the white blood cells to come back. So it must be something that's like stimulating the bone marrow, but I'm just guessing. Cause I don't, cause I don't know like what the mechanism is there. Um, but I would contend that anytime you are messing with a, a natural process like that, there's going to be other side effects. And this is what the drug industry does. They create a problem and then they create a drug to fix it. Or sometimes they create the drug and then they create the problem. You know, sometimes like there's, I think I sent you a thing. There's a new um, drug for lymphoma out for dogs now. Well, what's a new vaccine, ramp- a vaccine. Rampant- you know, it's actually, it's a drug. It's not a oh, is it a drug? It's, it's actually okay. a drug to treat treat lymphoma that was approved in just a couple of years ago, 2019 or 2020. And gee, lymphoma has been just rampant lately. Hmm. I, I don't know, maybe coincidence. But but anyway, back to your question, you know, about the, about the chemo. Um, yeah, it's like putting your foot on the gas and the accelerator at the same time, you know, I why would you be doing it? You're recognizing that this is not good, that this is not healthy, but you're doing it anyway, because you're trying to, you know, help take care of the cancer, but you're destroying all the body's defenses in, in, you know, in the process, you know, that just can't, can't turn out well. And it doesn't in most cases. Right. So that's, that's what I think, you know, on, on the human side, we don't really understand what it's doing to our body. We certainly don't understand it on the dog side because that's the one industry that nobody questions. Hopefully they're starting to question with all of the different holistic podcasts that are out there, all the great work that you're doing, all the people that we know, even Dr. Cooney. And, um, uh, you know, I heard him say now, I don't know if, how long has it been when we interviewed him? Gosh, I think he said he hadn't, uh, given a parvo vaccine in his clinic in like 10 or so years. So it had to be, he has to have data over 15 mm-hmm. years now, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, thousands, thousands <clears throat> and thousands of dogs that that have, you know, come through his clinic that have had no sods instead of, of the, you know, conventional vaccines. And of course they're all doing great. Yeah. I I, I asked that question because I had somebody the other day who, you know, was doing the raw diet and the dog was having some issues. So they wanted to know, you know, what has changed? And I said, well, what has changed in the dog's routine? Well, they had the Parvo uh, vaccine, but the pet parent was certain that it had something to do with something that he ate, right? And I said, you know, we don't see these type of symptoms in real food, but we do see it in the pharmaceutical um, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When the dog is at me, that what what were fighting words with this pet parent? They said, "Shame on me, shame mm. on me that I that I would indicate um this industry and the pet parents." Wow! And I said, "Well, okay, shame on me." Well, say this is what we see. <laughs> I mean, I'm what? just telling you what we see, right? But, but they, they, if you really want to hold on to that, right. And you really want to, um, be okay with that. Right. Because I, I just said, this is what we see. I, in no way said you're a bad pet parent for doing that. What I said was, we want you to make sure that you're looking in the right direction. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just a, a training thing. But again, Dr. Jasek, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, it's not going to change. It's getting worse. The clamps are coming down. It's going to get worse. I think that even on the human side, even after we come out of this last, you know, ridiculousness of the last three years, 
and the information has come out. I just saw another 25-year-old um, Hollywood person die, just mm. die suddenly, right? So um, That's even- normal, Didi, for young people to just drop dead, people under 30 just dropping dead, you right. know, athletes. That's, that's normal. Right. We see it every year, don't we? Yeah. We're going to make it up and say that we do. Um, but I still wonder uh, if we had another pandemic that had a bunch of nonsensical stuff, um, would we see the same running for the vaccines, running for the pill, running for the solution like we saw of this uh, I, this last I, I, thing? I, I, I have to think there wouldn't be as many people. I think there'll still be some. Some people are just indoctrinated into the system. But, uh, you know, I I would think there would be fewer, but I I don't know. Because people, just like the mindset of the vets, what I see people, you know, do, people that, you know, allow their kids to go to school and be educated by, you know, trans nudists that come into I mean the stuff that you hear that they're teaching the kids in school it's just are you kidding me you know like um it's just it's just crazy I I would like to think that fewer people would would go down that road but you know I really don't know and you know what else is really kind of scary about that too is um I was listening to an interview with uh Ed Dowd the other day and you know Love him. he he put out this book called cause unknown, which Mm -hmm. is a bit of a, you know, quote unquote, um, just, and he just, he just profiles, um, all these people that, that died, died suddenly. And he's a data guy. He's, he's an ex uh, wall street guy. And he just looks at the data and he looks at insurance data. And he said the number of people not only are people are people dying, but the number of people that are disabled and unable to work is growing like leaps and bounds. I don't remember his exact numbers, but this is just a few days ago. And he said, it's going to get much worse. There's more and more people that are on disability that, that, you know, um, either, either can't work or they have a family member that's sick and they have to stay home. And so it's really going to be affecting um, our economy and the industry. So you think with all that, more people would be saying, hey, what the heck is going on here? But I don't know. I Just some people have just like this amazing ability to put the blinders on. So really hard, hard telling what they'll do. You know, I, I was so um, angry and shocked. I got a voicemail from the pharmacy here. Uh, and they were like, oh, it is time for your vaccination. Oh, geez. <laughs> I still want to walk in there and say and ask questions. Right. But I'm certain that they would call the security guard and just have me exit it out the building. Oh, right. Because would. you can't ask the the very pointed questions that they can't answer. So I would like to go into the pharmacy speak to the pharmacist and say, would you mind showing me the data that shows that these vaccines were tested and that they, you know, a blind, you know, double, you know, blind study. Will you show me the efficacy on these vaccines that you called to remind me that I needed, that you're out there soliciting? Hmm. I'm certain that they would say, we have a crazy woman on aisle six. Please come remove her. <laughs> That's exactly what they do. They don't like questions that they can't answer. They have scripts. They have scripts. That's They just read from the script. And if you don't you ask a question, doesn't follow the script. Yep. Move her along. Crazy person. She has I, a brain. Oh, my God. Somebody that's actually thinking. Wait, get her out of here. We have a brain. We have a brain on IO6. We've got to remove it. Someone come get this woman now. She's she's thinking. She's she's thinking critically and actually, you know, asking questions. And oh my God, we can't have that. Well, you think about this, Dr. J6. Speaking of thinking, you don't know that you're in a box until you get out of the box, right? Simply, simply a, a very simple um uh example is. You moving out of a neighborhood in Colorado to a place in Tennessee where you don't see any neighbors, but not only that, people actually are thinking, and as we were talking about, out of the system. You don't really know you're in the system until you take a step and get out of it. And then you think, oh my gosh, 
how 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 did I think like that? Right. So it's very and and maybe it's a little discombobulating in the beginning. So I I liken that to people who are in the traditional veterinary medicine, and then they come over and do a consult with you. And they're probably like, what? Wait a minute. There's no diagnosis. We're not going to do this pill and this shot. And I'm not going to, it's going to take time. I mean, that's probably very discombobulating for people because they've been used to being in that traditional box. Don't you see that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if everybody around you is doing the same thing, that normalizes it. You really don't have to think that, you know, I think, don't think people tend to think there's something wrong with what they're doing. If everybody else is doing all their friends and family and neighbors all doing the same thing, then, well, it must it must be right. And it makes you feel, you know, we want to feel like we belong and that we have a tribe. Well, I think things like getting the COVID shot became a, a tribe like you know people wearing their bracelets and everything and showing off their vaccine cards and now you're part of, you know you're part of the cool kids because because you got that and and when you say no i i don't think so i mean i remember saying to, very early on in in covid like i hadn't seen you know my family much because everybody was staying home and nobody was doing anything and i saw my brother and and sister-in-law and she said she said toby you know I think back then people were just still getting signed up for the shots. Oh, you getting, you know, signed up for your vaccine. I'm like, I'm not taking that. And, and I mean, I had to pick her job off the ground. I mean, she was just like, you are the first person I've talked to that is not getting the, like, she just couldn't then believe it. And then she gave me a hard time. Well, why aren't you, you need to, you're a doctor for God's sake. Why aren't you following the science? And so it's like oh. that whole like narrative. But then, you know, you're not, you know, not one of the, one of the cool kids. And, and um, so then you don't fit it again. You know, it's hard to be ostracized from your family and, you know, or you lose friends and a lot of people that have stood their ground through this or through any issue, that's what happens. But to me, it's like, I have to live and speak my truth. What's true for me. I can't do it any other way. And if people in my life, can't accept that. Well, then I guess I find other people to hang out with, but I'm not going to change who I am or what I believe in. And I think that's what's so baffling. Like people just have no foundation. They just believe the latest propaganda and they don't, they don't truly think for themselves. That whole, like, you know, saying, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. anything. It's kind of like that. Like if you don't have your own foundational beliefs, then you're, you're, gonna just believe all the all the propaganda and i don't know i don't know how to live any other way i mean if they take come take my license well they take my license i mean i'm I'm not gonna stop doing what i feel is best for the pets i'll just figure out a different way to do it you know well it's sort of like this you know i, I there's a lot of whispers a lot of whispers behind you know my neighbors they're like you know Dee feeds that raw stuff and she doesn't do all those flea tick and heartworm. Yeah. Can you believe that? And yet, and yet, Dr. Jasek, all of those pet parents have dogs that have seizures, cancer, um, pancreatitis, gut issues. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got a healthy two well, dogs. It's because, it's because they've got somebody in their neighborhood that's feeding raw food and not, <laughs> and not doing flea and tick. It's probably, you know, it's your fault because- you know, your dogs are, you know, the ones bringing all these God awful diseases in, you know? Yeah. Let's That's probably what their vets would say. Right. Just like, just like one of my newest, you know, because the dog's not in good shape. And so uh, their vet said, don't feed the raw because your dog will go, you know, we've had a dog go septic, which I've been like, walk me through that daggum process. Right. But, but it, again, back to the bacteria, which, you know, I, again, would encourage people to listen to other people who are outside of the system, who are looking at things like Paul Saladino, who, uh, no, uh, that is the carnivore diet. He's good too. But Joe Salatin, Paul mm-hmm. Saladino, Thomas Cowan, uh, Judy Jasek, you know, Judy Morgan. I mean, there's a lot of Todd Cooney. There's a lot of, uh, is everybody crazy in our group? Jasek, you think that we're yeah, just yeah. all sucking on the crazy weed or something like that. I mean, would it <laughs> maybe, but it sure is fun. 
Well, and we <laughs> and we we do have a um a control group of very healthy dogs, right? right? And cats. Very healthy dogs and cats. So, I mean, you can't really argue with that. You can't argue with that. And one of the things that I would say and I sent it to a pet parent the other day. Um, they came to me because they were doing kibble and they were doing toppers and they were doing this. And when the dog had all these problems on my recommendation, then they were questioning my recommendation. And I said, well, here's the thing. What you're doing isn't working. Yeah. Hello. That should be pretty obvious. What? I mean, if what you're doing is working, then you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be asking for my recommendation. So, um, that's the thing. If what you are doing isn't working, you need to dump it. Right. Dump it. And and you sell raw dog food. So if you ask somebody who's in the business of selling raw dog food, what do you recommend? Well, you're likely going to recommend raw dog food, not another kibble. I think I think the back of my sweatshirt says, friends don't let friends feed kibble. And it doesn't say unless. There's no but. There's no unless. It's period. Yeah, period. Nothing. Nothing worse. I mean, there's nothing worse. I mean, I've seen people kind of not do the best job. I, I've seen people not do the best job, like with homemade diets, like we'll do our initial consult and they've realized, you know, kibble's not good. They've been researching this, you know, their pet's now sick and now they're panicked and they realize it's not good. And, and they're not even really doing a, a great job as far as balancing the diet, but they just knew I got to get off the kibble. So they just do something until we have our consult and then we talk about, you know, uh, how to balance the diet and other things. Um, but the dogs do a turnaround in just a couple of weeks, even if they're not on a ideally balanced diet, they stop the kibble because the kibble is part of the problem. And it, it, it might be just, you know, hamburger and rice or something, which is not a diet I recommend, but it's still not kibble and they're better. And they're right. better just getting them off the kibble. And that is so telling to me is like, wow, like this isn't even really the diet I would recommend, but it's some form of fresh food. So try it. Pet parents. I mean, try it. Like, do you think you're going to kill your dog in a month? Just trying something new, just try raw for a month and see what you notice. Right. Make up your own mind. Right. I had uh, one of my neighbors who wants to get a German shepherd, right? She's like, I love German shepherds. I want to get a German shepherd. I'm so allergic, right? I said, well, here's what you need to do. Come hang out at my house, right? So she gets uh, where she can't breathe, right? Asthma. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, here's what, before you before you think that that's the, the God's truth, right? The, the ultimate. Come hang out at my house for a day and let's see. Now breathe, bring one of your breathers. I don't want you passing out of my house, yeah. you know, but- <laughs> But we hear this a lot mm -hmm. from pet parents. I said, you know, have you ever fed raw? No. Okay. Well, if the people who are in the manufacturing plants of kibble have gotten lung diseases mm -hmm. and major problems, right? Um, there's something in that kibble. Now the dog eats it, comes out in their skin, right? The skin mm -hmm. is very yeasty. There's a lot of stuff in it. Um, I said, it could be that you just need a raw fed dog and you could have that German shepherd that you want because we hear that a lot. People will say, I don't know what it is, but I started feeding raw and now I can actually, you know, hug my dog or be around my dog and not sneeze and have mm -hmm. my eyes watering. So there's, if people are getting sick in the plants of where they are making the kibble, what do you think it's doing to the dog? And it's got to come out in their skin. We see it all the time. Uh, yeah. I would try that, guys. Get all the toppers out of the diet. Get all the processed food. Get the milk bones. Get the dental chews, the greenies, all that crap out of the diet. Put your dog on a species-appropriate diet. You know, give it six weeks or so. And let's see if, mm -hmm. in fact... Your asthma or your allergic uh, reactions don't go down or totally disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I actually worked with a gal once who um, she wanted to get cats and her fiance at the time was just like deathly allergic. Like he would like swell up, like couldn't breathe. 
um, around cats, supposedly. And she really, really wanted cats. And she got a couple of kittens and she put them on raw food for a month before she took them home. And these cats could just sleep right on his chest. Never, never a problem. Get right up in their face. Never a problem. So I, I do think that's true. And animals detoxify through their skin. So if you're feeding them food with toxins and they're trying to get it out, they are going to be kicking that stuff out. Yeah. Skin. And they're just, you know, they're just more inflamed too. You know, I'm, I'm curious as I'm in, you know, Tennessee now where there's, you know, supposedly more bugs that we haven't really seen a big problem. I mean, we do find ticks occasionally, but, you know, certainly haven't seen any fleas. Even the mosquitoes aren't that bad here. I don't know. Everybody said how buggy it is, but we have a lot of bats though. So maybe, um, maybe that helps. But anyway, I, I do have a theory that if dogs are really healthy and they're not all in stinky and inflamed, that the bugs aren't going to be as big of a problem. Right. Do we really need to use these harsh pesticides? I mean, I think it's a, it's a mindset because when I talk to people and I know other areas are worse. Um, I know other areas, there's a lot more fleas and, you know, depending on, you know, the environment where you are and the weather and everything. But I still, I still think that, you know, I go back to dogs in the natural state. Well, wolves aren't going and getting their dose of Brevecto every month. You know, like, how are they surviving? I guess, you know, you could say they live in colder climates, but I, I just really think, and I'm going to be kind of paying attention to this a little bit more. Cause I've, I've talked to some people that are like down in Florida, a lot of clients in Florida for some reason. And some of them are just like, no, I don't do any flea and tick stuff, heartworm, every problem with it now. And others are like, oh my God, well, I'm here in Florida. I mean, we got to do it. So I think sometimes it's, there's, I think there's fear propaganda around that stuff too. And I, you know, I don't tell people, people say they got a lot of fleas. I, I don't, I mean, I encourage them to use more natural products, but you know, I, I'm sure there's areas where there are a lot more fleas, but I still think that those bugs are going to be more attracted to um, animals that are not healthy. There's a, a doctor, a human doctor named Sam Bailey, who is just great to listen to. Uh, she's um, from New Zealand and um she did a little thing on Lyme disease and, and I've heard this before that like, is Lyme disease really an infection? Does it really exist? And she did this very good. It was just like a 15 or 18 minute little video and went through the whole history, basically disproving everything that ever showed that Lyme disease exists. So what is this thing that people say they have? Like, you know, I don't know, but probably some sort of toxicity and there's just a lot of fear propaganda designed to sell these incredibly toxic preventatives. And if we keep the dogs healthy, that they aren't even necessary to begin with. Or maybe just occasionally, like you have them, like say you get a flea infestation or something. Okay. Maybe I have to do something a little more aggressive periodically, but this one size fits all. They need this crap every month. Like do not buy into that. But there are natural things that you can do. And Dr. Judy Jasek is somebody that you want to get over and get signed up with for a consult. If you have any problems, if you have tick infestations, if you have fleas, if you have yeasty dogs, if you have a diagnosis that says your dog has pancreatitis or they have kidney failure, kidney disease, do they really? Let's get a second opinion right? Because some of those those diagnoses are based on a snapshot in time. And mm-hmm. do, do, what are the alternatives to cancer? Do you want to go down the road that's very expensive and maybe isn't even effective, right? Um, now, I get it. Some people say, well, I got two more years you know, of life out of my dog, but would you have gotten two more years out of a holistic approach? Right. right. So that that's really the question. Maybe, maybe you would get longer. Maybe, maybe you got four more years. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So we really need to understand what these drugs are doing and what the side effects are. And I think Dr. Judy Jason can help you. Um, you've got to get out of that mindset that your dog has to have this or has to have that. The only thing they have to have, Dr. Jasek, is a species appropriate diet. Yeah. And love. And love and well, they need a lot of things. They need they need room to run and be a dog and to honor the dogness uh, yeah. of, of what they let them eat poop sometimes. Who cares? They're like, well, I don't want to kiss them. Why well, don't French kiss my dog anyway? But OK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
They lick, their, they lick their butts and stuff anyway. So. They do every single day. You may not see it, but they're licking it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so get over to ahavet.com, ahavet.com, where you can work with Dr. Judy Jasek from anywhere in the country. Right. You can even outside the of world. the U.S. In, in oh, the yeah. world. We got Zoom. I've Zoomed with people all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Anywhere you are. Thanks for listening to the Raw Dog Food Podcast. Make sure you tell your friends about it. Sign up, subscribe. Uh, this is a way that you can really help pets everywhere and not get into a fight with your friends. Just say, hey, go listen to the Raw Dog Food Truth because uh, yeah. you can come over let here. Them, they can let ask them questions. get mad at us. Let them get mad at us. Well, that's yeah. nothing new. We we right, uh, so. we we get that every day. All right, everybody, get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, Dr. Jasek. Hey, bye, everybody. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.